Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is the Bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us! Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your gym, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Bearded Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on this cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you didn't. Now look at that guy, you homie. Fuck that. Black dude. This bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J.K. Morris. Uh, it's fucking July 12th, 2018. And uh, it's a, whatever, what is it, a Thursday? It's Thursday. I do the show on such sporadic days and weeks. Sometimes I miss weeks and weeks, and uh, I lose track of what the fuck uh, day it's supposed to be when I'm starting to do this. So anyway, um, I got a few things to talk about. Um, uh, kind of a few things to talk about. Um in a little bit of length, not, you know, 20 topics, but I got a few that I have some things to talk about. Take a sip of my 
Arizona sparkling water. It's a uh, strawberry sparkling water. Fucking good stuff. Um, all right. So let's uh, just start off with, uh, I, I would say, what would be, to me, the most important part is uh, is, is I, what actually goes on in my life. Never mind the wrestling bullshit. Never mind all the, the, the drama that we'll get into later. Let, let's just talk about... Um, something monumental in my life, which was, um, this, this past Sunday was five years of sobriety for me. Um, it's, it, it was really somewhat of a rebirth. Um, you know, when I became sober and really had to view the world in a different light, I had to see things differently than I was seeing things. Uh, I I've explained some of this before, but I'm going to say it again because fuck it, who gives a shit? Um, you know, being an addict, um, you you wind up leaning on different things as an escape, as a reason. Uh, it's your reason to celebrate. It's your reason to cope. It's it's your your outlet for for every emotion. Every emotion at its best or its worst. It seems to be your go-to. It's somewhat of a crutch to get you through your everyday life. Um, it's, it's somewhat of a way to disappear. It's, um, and, and I, I believe that, you know, people use all sorts of different vices and drugs and alcohol and, and things of that nature for, for the same purpose. Um, and you know, you get so used to it in your regular life and using it as a crutch for your ups and your downs that to many it's inescapable. Um, I, I went through years of, you know, various types of addiction, you know, people will tell you that like weed's not addictive. Um, the fact of the matter is, is if you're an addict, you can, you can grow, um, addicted, habit forming, call it whatever you want to call it. But, um, when I was, man, I smoked for at least 16 years, 17 years, some, something along those lines. Um, I, I couldn't go without, you know, if I, if I didn't have weed, like, yeah, I didn't go into like physical, you know, shaking withdrawals or vomiting or anything like that. But like, I was a complete asshole if I didn't have weed, like then no, no part of life can go on. Like I wouldn't just keep it moving and just, oh man, wish I had some weed. Like I, you know, my whole shit and my mood was fucked. I, I was, I wasn't able to really, uh, you know, function and, and, and treat people the way that I should be treating them or anything like that. It was like, same, same, uh same deal like if i had weed and it was like yeah like i really want to go see this movie or we you know we're going to such and such a place the first thought in my head was okay well, we're, we got to go smoke or i got to go smoke and, and uh okay before i get there we'll smoke and it like that was such a priority no matter what i was doing um and then obviously you know um three years of doing that obviously you know, it not being legal, you, you put yourself in a lot of, um, bad predicaments. You know what I mean? Like I, I spent a night in fucking central booking, you know, based off of, uh, dealing with, with, with some weed shit. Um, you know, I, I never did any long time, hard time, any of that type of shit, but I got myself into predicaments. I got arrested here and there. I had to, you know, worry every time I fucking, 
you know, you saw a cop, a cop pulled you over. It was like, fuck, where do I got, you know, what do I got on me or whatever? It, you know, it was like a constant worry and this and that. Um, so again, that was never the worst of my addictions just based off of um, the ability to control it, you know, and you, you really didn't have the same, you know, grab or grip on you. You, you wouldn't get, you know, too high on weed where you do dumb shit. You wouldn't feel like shit the next day off of weed or anything like that. And the people who can control substances overall, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, shit, you either have that volume control or you don't, and I didn't. It's it's as simple as that. If you have that addictive gene in you, if you don't have that ability to turn the volume down a little bit on what you're using or what you're doing, then it's not for you, you know? And the, the thing about that is, is, you know, it's, it's the people that have that, um, you know, addictive gene and stuff. They're going to go harder on that shit than everybody else does. I mean, they, they might like these things more than everybody else does. But that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't mean they could handle them. You know, I mean, you could you could put down. I, and again, when I was um, in my stride of drinking or whatever those those years, I um, I was going through easily 100 beers a week. Um, easily. Um that, that that's a light number too, because I was definitely going through three thirty packs a week, and some. Um, I, you know, every every two days, like clockwork, every two days I had to get another thirty pack. I went through through a pretty consistent fifteen a night. Now understand that that fifteen a night, I you know I work I work six days a week, I work forty seven hours a week, and I'm not saying that on on a you know, a level of bragging to say that, hey, like, I work more hours than any, I'm just saying, look, my drinking started at 6.30 when I got home, and went till about 1 o'clock, on, on your average night, so, I mean, that's, you know, uh, six, six and a half hours, about, you know, about six and a half, seven hours tops, putting down 15 beers, I mean, so that's easily, like, two an hour, every hour, you know, and, and it, it didn't necessarily go by that standard, but you get what I mean, um, and then I would add hard alcohol to it, I loved vodka, um, I, you know, I went through different phases, all sorts of shit, the rum, and the vodka, and the tequila, and the, you know, all sorts of things, vodka ended up being, like, my, my favorite, so, and that, that would just, like, I would I would still drink the same 15 beers, but I would be fucking sloppier way quicker. And, um, you know, I, I can't say by any stretch of the imagination that my drinking didn't, in, in, um, didn't affect my children or family whatsoever, because it absolutely did to a very high level. But I can say on a nightly basis, for the most part, the... The messier part of my drinking, should should I say, um, happened after the kids went to bed. And again, I, I'm by no stretch of the imagination trying to paint a picture where my kids didn't see me drunk. Believe me, that that was inevitable. Um, especially, you know, Sundays. It started when I woke up until I went to bed. So I was a fucking mess on Sundays, uh, you know, by nighttime. Um, so, but, you know, again, I'd start out at 6.30 man, those first eight beers went down fucking easy, and, uh, I mean, they all went down easy, but, um, I, I can handle those first at least eight 
without being any kind of sloppy. I was just life at a party, you know, fucking singing, dancing, having a great time. That's that's the period where all the problems go away, where everything's just great. And, you know, the world is just great around you. And as the night goes and they continue, you you just you start to feel all the problems you had coming back with fire behind them, you know. When you when you get to the later part of the night, all the problems you had, all the issues you had, all the all the drama, all the sadness, all the anger, that shit comes back tenfold. And it's got like fucking backup. You know, that's that that shit comes back with a motherfucking vengeance. And then you know, the just the uh the the way you talk to people after that is, is uh completely unreasonable. I mean there's just no there's no reasoning with a drunk, you know, and, and that's, that's the thing is now, like, you know, being out of that, that world for so long, I, I don't, I don't really have tolerance for the people that are on the same shit because honestly, people wouldn't have tolerance for me when I was on that level. At this point, I don't blame them. I think I more so sympathize now with people who had to deal with me then more so than I do people who are acting like I did then, you know, because once you see things with a clear mind, you realize how ridiculous, you know, you were living before. Um, so, you know, and, and every morning, seriously, every, every morning felt like a fucking truck hit me. Like I, I got myself up, drug myself back to work for the first, you know, hour, two hours of work was fucking rough. You know, it was, really pulling myself out of a fucking hole every day. And by midday, it started to feel normal. You know, by by the time I got home, I was ready ready to go again. And I'd put myself back in that fucking hole for the next morning and just continue and continue. And, you know, shit, I had some definite days where I didn't answer the bell, call out some days. Definitely missed a shitload more days in my drinking days than I ever do now. Um... It just, it wasn't good, you know, and I had so many of those nights where the downward spiral was just going, and, uh, you know, you just had that feeling in the back of your head like you didn't want it to be like this, you know, you didn't, you didn't want this to continue to be your identity or your life, or, and, uh, again, I'd wake up the next morning, I'd, I'd fucking search the internet, I'd have to go in my fucking IMs and shit and see what kind of shit I talked the night before, Is, you know, what kind of apologies do I need to make the next day, because... I would just fucking go in, man. It was just out of control, and, and, you know, I'd start talking and just fucking going at motherfuckers, you know. It was, sometimes that was my entertainment. It was like, yeah, I had no one to talk to or anything, and just like, fuck it, man. Let's let's see what kind of fucking shit I can start on. This is why, like, you gotta understand, like, people, people take my blunt honesty as, oh, you know, you just talk shit and this and that. But I, I just speak how I feel. I'm not doing any of this shit for attention. You, I mean, you might have you might have had a little bit of that, you know, in my drinking days and stuff. But um, th- this is just straight honesty. I, I don't really give a fuck who likes it or who doesn't like it. And we're definitely going to get into that shit uh, a little bit. But, uh, you know, the drinking, it just, it, it had to change. There, ha- there had to be a change and you know, you'll talk to a lot of people that want to get out of it. You'll talk to a lot of people that are dealing with people that are addicted and they could talk to them until they're blue in the face and you're never going to get through to those people until they desperately want it. 
until they need that life to change and they want it gone. Um, for me, I was able to do it without any programs, without any, uh, any, any, anything like that. Um, any rehabs, anything like that. I'm not knocking anybody who does those things because, you know, whatever it takes for you to get out of that fucking hole is, uh, is necessary. It's a hundred percent necessary and there's no shame to it. Um, the thing with me is I have a hard time with, um, with authority, with, um, somewhat of like structure, you know, cause it falls kind of under the heading of authority. When people start telling me these are the things you have to do, I have like a normal, just like a natural resistance to that. Um, I've always had somewhat of a problem with that, you know, growing up and, uh, you know, the way things went back when I was, you know, was a kid, I've always had a little bit of a problem with that. And, uh, you know, school didn't work for me so well. Um, so again, I, I have somewhat of a guard up for that. So I already knew going in that I got myself into this. If I was going to get myself out of it, I was going to get myself out of it. Um, what I was able to do, and I, I did the same thing. I smoked cigarettes for 14 years. And when I quit, I quit cold. And, um, again, that, you know, that's, that's years ago, man. I wish I could quit. Yeah. I wish I could quit. Yeah. I wish I could quit until finally you just go, I'm fucking done. And those, those cravings, those, that pushback, any kind of that, uh, that addictive nature, that feeling like you have to, um, all that, that, that craving, you have to see it as, as your enemy. When you really want to quit something, you make that shit your enemy. You don't see it as your comfort anymore. You see those cravings as the, the resistance, the fight against you. Not that, you know, you're dying to get back to the thing you're craving, but you're dying to get away from it. And those cravings are the fucking enemy. And um, you have to make the thing you're trying to quit your enemy. And, and you know, I'm I'm not trying to, you know, preach and tell motherfuckers like I got all the answers and it's, it's easy or anything like that. I'm just telling you the path that I took. I'm just telling you what worked for me, um, the way, the direction my mind went to get the fuck where I had to be. And, and I, I hit that switch on, on the cigarettes. You know, I, um, I had said for years I wanted to quit and this and that. Um, one day I was having some breathing problems and, um, I, I was like, yeah, let me go out and get some fresh air. I was at work. And when I walked out to get some fresh air, I, I went to take a bag of garbage down to the dumpster and, and just like out of habit, first thing I did, light a cigarette. Took like one fucking drag out of that, gasped a little bit, like, you know, because I was already having a little bit of breathing problems, and thought to myself, what are you fucking stupid? Like, you came out for fresh air, and the first thing you did is put smoke into your lungs? I fucking threw the cigarette with one drag off of the whole fucking cigarette and never lit another one. Um, I, and apparently, I had some kind of, um, like, asthma that I guess was, was in its early stages, and, um, that, that was it showing itself for the first time. So, you know, when I started to have those breathing problems, you know, I didn't know, you know, what kind of sickness or what kind of this or that, but I knew that smoking wasn't going to be the fucking remedy for it. So when I filled my lungs with smoke right after feeling like, yo, I got to get some fresh air, I, I immediately felt stupid for doing it. And then said, you know what, like enough is enough. You know what I mean? This is, and, and not to get off the, the alcohol topic or whatever, because uh, that's, 
my reason for this, but it, it all fucking ties together. Um, cigarettes are, are the dumbest addiction you could ever have because it's understandable to get, um, you know, hooked on fucking alcohol and, and drugs because at some point or another, the shit feels good. There's a disappear factor. There's a, there's an escape. There's, there's a different feeling. There's an altering, uh, feeling that it takes you a little bit away from what your normal, you know, walk around is cigarettes. Um, people tell you, Oh, it calms you down, but the shit's a stimulant. So doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. A lot of times, you know, if you take that five minutes of like, yo, I'm really stressed out. I got to go have a cigarette. If you took that same five minutes and just fucking, you know, found a way to just like meditate. You know what I mean? Um, or just, just fucking got away from the shit, cleared your head for five minutes. This, it would have the same effect as a cigarette. Only, you know, you wouldn't be walking yourself closer to cancer for no fucking reason. So it always made sense for me to quit cigarettes because, they're really like the the price continued to climb and the benefit was none. You know, I mean, you could smoke 80 cigarettes in a day and you're not going to be like, yeah, today was a really good day. I smoked the shit out of some cigarettes. <laughs> you just be like, yo, uh, uh, my breathing's getting worse and uh, fucking running out of money here. But, uh, you know, I mean, shit. But anyway, uh, but alcohol, like I said, it, it, um, it took its fucking toll and it just got to the point where I had to, I had to turn on it. And, you know, when I made that decision, um, my, my final weekend of drinking went like this. Um, I had been telling myself quite a bit, you know, you got to stop drinking. I had a bunch of, you know, uh, bottoms, you know, bad nights. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had one night where I fucking, I got so drunk. I fell in my fucking fire pit in the backyard, fucking burned my forearm, like, fucking bad um yeah the the feeling the next day of like an insane hangover on top of like the fucking chills that i'm getting from the fucking burns on my arms and just fucking stupidity and that that took me away from it for a day you know what i mean like the the hangover the next day is the only thing that kept me from fucking drinking that day you know and and uh, a lot of times you know i would drink through those but this one was pretty bad and, um, you know, that, that was fucking years before I even quit. But the final weekend was this, I, um, I had decided like, yeah, I, I'm really ready to quit. I, uh, had a 4th of July barbecue and I, and I said to myself, this is, this is it. Today's the day. This is the last day. It was Thursday, right? And it was, I believe it was a Thursday. So had the party, drank a bunch, this and that, thinking, you know, this this is gonna be it. I can't remember whether I drank the next day or not. I, I really, I want to say I didn't, but I can't be positive on that. I know I definitely had a major fucking hangover because I thought I was going all out, and that was it. So then. The next day, being Saturday, you know, if the party's Thursday, not really positive on what happened Friday, but what stuck out was Saturday, no plans on drinking, going into this weekend, and just going forward with, yeah, like, gonna quit type shit. Well, what happened was, uh, Nina hit me up saying, yo, like, I have these friends that, that I know, and, and honestly, like, we don't hang out with a lot of people, I don't really have a lot of friends, and, um... 
I don't even know these motherfuckers. Um, she goes, yeah, I got these friends, and, you know, the, the kids hang out with their kids, and I know them from school or whatever the fuck. And uh, they're having, like, a, they got all sorts of money, and they got a kid's party during the day for the kid's birthday party. And the kids are over here hanging out. And then uh, they're going to go home, the kids. And uh, at night, they're going to have a they're going to have another party for the adults. The fucking bar is stocked fucking kegs of beer over there. They have a, a fucking screen the length of their in-ground pool behind their fucking pool that they rented. Like someone was in the, like the entertainment business and hooked them up with a deal for this fucking screen. It was legitimately the length of their motherfucking in-ground pool. And it was behind the pool. And that was going to be playing the the UFC fight. They had uh, a beam that they they built some kind of beam situation going across the pool that motherfuckers were jousting like American gladiators on. So this, this was the invite. And, uh, yeah. So drinking didn't stop on fucking Thursday. I can tell you that much. I went the fuck in that night. I went the fuck in. I was out there arguing with motherfuckers I never met about football. I was out there fucking jousting, fucking talking shit, fucking watching the UFC fight. It was a motherfucker, man. Like, yeah. So that was that night. Well, the next night, Sunday, I'm by myself, and I'm out in my fucking backyard, and I'm drinking just as fucking hard as I was the night before, which is no fucking people. And that's, you know, it really fucking hit me, because I had way too many weekends like this, way too many nights like this. You understand, there's a lot of people that'll get fucking wild at a fucking party is if you don't know how to turn that shit off the next day when you get home and there is no party. that That's when you know some major shit's going on. And for me, it, it, it was nonstop. So I was already disappointed with myself because, I mean, I felt like this was a party I couldn't turn down. I mean, this wasn't anything I've ever done before. This, you know what I mean? Like, to have some shit go down where it's like, all right... <laughs> These motherfuckers got the the screen, the fucking jousting, all of this shit. Like, I ain't never done no shit like that before. I probably never will again. So it was like a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity handed to me to add a whole shitload of drinking tied to it. But it was like, how can I fucking refuse? The same token, I'm thinking, well, if this type of shit is going to derail you, like, any of it's going to derail you to the point where you're just back at home drinking the next fucking day by yourself because it's just game on. There is no dimmer switch. There is no, there's no, I can fucking manage this now. There's no, you know, you could fool yourself and lie to yourself and lie to the people around you all you want. And hey, I took a couple weeks off. Now I'm just going to drink on weekends. Get the fuck out of here. That's how it'll start. If you don't have a dimmer switch, you don't have a fucking dimmer switch. It's, it's as simple as that. There's people who can fucking handle it. and There's people who can't. I can't. Straight up. I'm an addict. Um, so that was, that was my, I just knew it, you know, and I, I had, uh, I actually got on the phone with, uh, Toby Klein that night. Uh, and matter of fact, happy birthday, Toby's 40 today. Um, 
I got on the phone with Nicole and Toby that night while I was drunk saying like, you know, just fucking pouring my heart out to him telling him like, yo, I just, I just want to fucking stop. Like, I just gotta, I gotta get the fuck out of this. And, uh, I just made that fucking decision. And I think, you know, I, I don't really know that anything they said to me that night moved the needle as far as, you know, making my decision. My decision was made. I, I tend to think that having somebody who I respected such as them and who have been through the journey and Toby had been, you know, clean a couple months cause I, he's, um, he hit his five years, I, I believe earlier this year. So, um, his sobriety started, you know, a couple months prior to mine and, you know, to talk to somebody like that, that I respected and, and to lay on the line, how I wanted to stop. It helped, I think to, solidify my commitment to keep the promise to myself going based off of helping, you know, off of telling somebody else, you know, because that, you know, it gave somebody, uh, somebody else like a, Hey, check out what he's doing. Uh, he said he's going to quit. Let's see how he does. You know, like it, it, it holds you to something. Like if you walk into fucking work, and you just go, I'm going to lose a lot of weight. <laughs> I mean, fucking <laughs> heat's on you, motherfucker. Because if you don't go in there and lose a lot of fucking weight, they're all going to be like, this one's fucking talking all that shit. Look at the fucking, look at how they're eating today. Remember when they said that shit last week? So, you know, <laughs> you know, it puts a certain fucking standard on you. Now, I'm not saying, you know, Toby and Nicole were going to talk some shit. I'm just saying it definitely, it holds you to some kind of standard. And it, and if you're not up to disappointing yourself and others and shit, then then you better just keep going with what you wanted to do. I had my mind made up, and I think it it was another help, you know, somebody to lean on and, and help commit myself. And and I, again, I, I don't know, you know, the full inner workings of exactly what clicked in my mind to make this the final final time despite, you know, many other times of saying I was going to quit or just drink on the weekends or this and that, I was going to cut back and okay, well now this time I'll just try to not drink hard liquor. And, uh, you know, I, I had all sorts of different, uh, attempts. None, none of it panned out. So that was it. That was it. Five fucking years. And, and initially look, ugh, fucking cravings are crazy, but it's gotta be your fucking enemy. It's gotta be your enemy. Like, I know now, like, I, I've had different times where I just fucking, you know, I, I would see, you know, uh, a type of beer or hard alcohol or something that, that I knew I liked and I remembered enjoying and stuff like that. And I already know, like, I can't lie to myself. My first thought is like, yo, I'd really like to have, and before I could even get through my sentence of telling myself, yo, I would like to have that. I'm thinking about the third and fourth and fifth one that I would have, and I didn't even touch it yet. So at this point, I can't even fool myself to think that I can use some form of moderation. I know that if I did, I'd be fucking way back in again. That's why some people say that you're always an alcoholic. I don't believe in that. My personal, see, that that's the thing, is when I make this thing my enemy the way I did, I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I used to be. If I take one sip of alcohol, I'm an alcoholic again. That that's my theory on it. And and whatever works for you guys works for you guys. 
more power to you. But that's my theory on it. I'm not burdened with being an alcoholic for my whole life. But if I ever touched alcohol again, I would be. Because it's in me. I used to be an alcoholic and I broke that. So that's, that's you know, where I put myself. It takes a while for you to retrain your mind to do different things. The same thing happened with smoking is, you know, I used to, when I got in the car, light a cigarette. I got out of the car, light a cigarette. I'd be smoking from wherever I went to the building, you know, and as soon as you walk out of a building, light a cigarette. As soon as you finish a meal, light a cigarette. When I used to smoke weed, as soon as I finished smoking weed, light a cigarette. Yeah, I mean, there there were so many little habits that you had to break, you know, and then uh, the drinking, again, was such a crutch as far as a bad day or as far as something to celebrate. And and what did you lean on and, you know, how did you, uh, how do you fill that void? It's tough. It's definitely tough. I filled it with athleticism. You know, that's when I started these races this Saturday. I go for my, uh, my super Spartan and, uh, this will be actually completing this race. This will be my fourth year doing a trifecta Spartan trifecta in a row. Um, so I, I've really changed things and man, let me tell you something as far as like, uh, staying away from temptation and this and that, man, I, I dove into the motherfucking deepest of, of temptation right off the bat. When I, uh, when I quit, I started doing these races, all these fucking races, man, you get a wristband that says a free beer after the race. Motherfuckers are racing. You hear them going, Oh, I can't wait for that beer. And like people are spilling fucking beer. People were walking around with fucking pictures of fucking beer and everything else. And, and, uh, yeah, it was no shortage of alcohol fucking floating around and banners and all that type of shit. So I knew I had, uh, I, and I had something on me that said, you can have a free one. Like, I knew I was up against it. it you got to be able to fight the motherfucking power. I mean, it, this shit is, you can't hide from it. You can't hide from the motherfucking, uh, the addiction. You can't hide from the temptation. You got to beat it. You got to fucking take that shit head on and you got to beat it. But if you don't want to beat it or if you ain't strong enough to beat it, you're not going to. There has to be no fucking option of failure. None. And that that's the type of fucking dude I am. That That's the type of life I live. Uh, I do everything to an extreme. And um, there, there's not going to be like, there's not going to be that, that day where I say, oh, okay, I could handle it. I know better. I know better. So, um, that's it. It's five years, man. Like life around you starts to look more beautiful when you, when you don't have this, uh, can't wait to get back to you, you know, when you, when you have that, I can't wait until work is over to drink or I can't wait to get here to do that. Or before we go to the movie, I got to do this or I got to try to, you know, get your, you have to try to get your mind state and your, your mood altered to a certain place via a substance. When you need to do that to feel right, it, it's really tough to maintain. It's really tough to keep that going. If you can find that euphoria in normal life, that's that's the goal right there. And I've found that quite a bit. I've smiled more in my motherfucking sobriety than I ever did drinking. You know, people might think I'm a miserable motherfucker and all that other crazy shit because I talk a lot of shit. 
and a lot of shit in wrestling pisses me off or I don't feel like uh, I'm enjoying it. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy the fuck out of a lot of life. I mean, I look at a lot of things in life as, as just amazing, you know. So, um, yeah, I just I just want to share a little bit about that and my journey and all of that shit. Um, I don't even like the term journey. But anyway, uh, what I've been through and, you know, where I got how I got to where I got, um, anybody, you know, if you've ever, if you're ever having any kind of struggles like that and you, you know, you want some kind of, you know, somebody to talk to, you're really trying to make a change. I ain't trying to change fucking anybody, but if you're ever trying to make a change and you want to talk to somebody who's done it, feel free to hit me up. Um, I may seem, you know, like somewhat of a jerk off, but, um, believe me when it comes to this type of shit, I, uh, I know what I'm talking about. If I've been through it, I have no problem with helping other people go through it, you know, that are trying to do some shit. That's, I've always been that way. You know, people hit me up like, yo, you do those races. You got tips. Like, I, man, I will talk all fucking day. I, I'll tell you as much as you want to know about, you know, these races and, and then shit like this. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take a break before I do. Um, I also want to talk about this real quick. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago I had somewhat of like a down, down period um, I don't really want to say overall, but definitely to the extent where, like, I, I didn't want to do this fucking shit anymore. I don't watch wrestling. I started to really kind of, you know, um, devalue, you know, doing it. Because it's like, everybody, there's fucking podcasts everywhere. There's, there, there's so many wrestling podcasts and this and that, and you know, I mean, more and more, I consider myself less of a wrestling podcast, but it took me a little bit, because I I was really, I was just going to fucking pack the mic up, cancel my blog talk and shit, because, I mean, it's $100 a month, if I don't enjoy doing this shit, then, then what the fuck is the point, you know, I've been doing this now eight fucking years, eight fucking years, so, um, I, I, I was really, you know, reconsidering that, there was a couple shows I did, and even uh, last week's show I did, and I got some messages that completely fucking validate me doing this shit and not stopping. And I started thinking about the different people who have hit me up, and um, it, it it's fucking beyond touching. I you know uh, straight up, like let me just throw some fucking names out there. The type of these are the people who keep me doing this shit. And if I miss anybody, I apologize. Believe me, you know, it makes a big fucking difference. But, um, Brent, that dude was listening from fucking way early on. That dude, um, has hit me up many and many a times thanking me for doing this shit. Cecil, another fucking dude. He's got his whole fucking family listening. He said his fucking wife is listening to I don't know. I can't even imagine somebody's wife wanting to listen to me fucking yap. Um, his kid listens. Lou great fucking dude, it's another one of those guys, you know what I mean, Chris Passy, this fucking guy, man, he's solid fucking dude from out in Utah, I would have never fucking thought in a million years a motherfucker from Utah would know who the fuck J-Cat is, what kind of shit is that, you know, Eric, Eric's a dude that I used to do the show with, and uh, look man, he's a pain in the ass, I'll I'll be the first one to tell you, he's not a good co-host, but he's a dude that over the years never stopped fucking checking in with me. 
uh, still listens to the show on a regular fucking basis, hits me up, oh, great show, this and that. And, yeah, I mean, like, he's a dude I wouldn't have started doing this shit without. So without him, I wouldn't have really had this outlet. And, you know, I, I can't thank him enough for that shit. Jeremy, you know, this is another dude who's been down for a long fucking time. He hit this shit up off of the fucking Ian interview. Again, we'll talk some more about Ian in a little bit. Um, he off the Ian interview, and uh, you know, just just really fucking really liked the show. And I, you know, I formed a friendship with that dude. We've gone to a bunch of fucking wrestling shows together. We went out to, went out to IWA, big long crazy ass trip. To the point where now, I mean, Jeremy went back in the fucking archives and listened to every fucking show from the beginning until now and did recaps for the fucking shows. When you go back in there and it doesn't just say fucking June June 10th fucking 2011, it's because of Jeremy. It's because Jeremy went the fuck back, listened to the whole fucking thing, wrote down what the fucking... What what shit was going on in the show, and and fucking recap that shit for me. So I mean, Jeremy's become such a big part of Yakuza Kick Radio that you know you might not hear him on it's just me yapping and shit like that. But like that dude has come through in a big big fucking way for me. Um, so big shout out to him. Kyle Gage is a good good dude. Always hits me up, liking the show, sharing it, all of that shit. And Russell's another dude who he I gotta tell you, Russell. Russell pissed me off a lot with the fucking LeBron hate. You know what I mean? Like, he he had me on that fucking delete button. <laughs> like, fucking almost getting rid of that dude. But, uh, you know, he hit me up. And uh, he said some really nice things. And uh, I got to tell you, like, some of the support, you know, that comes through at certain times. It's just, it's the fucking, it's the right time to hear the right things. And uh, I really, really appreciate it. I really, really appreciate it. Um... Oh, and uh, just just to, again, if I missed anybody, fucking Juan, you know, Juan was back from, back in, back in the day. I think he still got like an old school Yakuza Kick radio shirt on like his fucking profile pic or, or something. Maybe Instagram or some shit. I don't know. But I remember seeing it not too long ago. Um, and those are like the first shirts I made. Um, but anyway, um, just to kind of tie that together as far as the archives and the, the, the conversation or, or the uh, conversation is a one-sided deal. The uh, What I was just talking about with the drinking and everything, you can fucking go back in the archives and you could see the motherfucking progression of where the fuck I was at because these sh- I would get housed on this fucking shit, especially if I had a guest or especially if I had a fucking uh, a co-host because every time somebody else but me was talking, I was fucking sipping. That shit got fucking messy. A lot of shows. A lot of shows were just fucking terrible as far as I'm concerned. But I left it all. I didn't delete anything. Um, there's all those fucking years of archives there. There's some terrible fucking interviews in there. Like where I hit people up afterwards and apologize. Like, yo, I'm fucking sorry. I was drinking a lot before I even started the show. And, uh, yeah, it, it got messy a lot of fucking nights. But, um, you know, it, like I said, this is... Uh, it's all real shit with me. You know what I mean? I, I admit my flaws as as I point out other people's flaws. But, um, you know, people don't like to see that shit. People don't like to hear shit that doesn't pertain to the, the positive part of themselves. Um, I'm going to take a break, and then we'll get back into 
more of that exact fucking statement that I just made. Uh, people don't like to hear harsh criticism if it doesn't if it's about them. They don't. Motherfuckers will tell you they like to hear blunt honesty until they're the fucking topic, and then they don't want to hear it. So let let's take a break. Come back, and we'll talk about uh, some IWA. He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his man. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Yo, what's up, Pim? Just threat. That's right, just 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 threat, Pim. And I'm serious about mine. I'm so sincere. And I I'll kill you, I'll chop you up, put you inside the mattress like drug money, nigga. Yeah. I done told you niggas nine ten times stop fucking with me. I done told you niggas nine albums stop fucking with me. I done told you niggas nine on me stop fucking with me. You niggas must have got nine lives. I put that knife in you. Take a little bit of life from you. Am I frightening you? Shall I continue? I put the gun to you. I let it sing you a song. I let it hum to you. The other ones sing along. Now it's a duet and you wet. When you check out the technique from the two texts. And I don't need two lips to blow this like a trumpet, you dumb shit. This is an unusual musical I've conducted. You looking at the black Warren Buffett so all critics can duck sick. I don't care if you see Dolores Tuckett or you Bill O'Reilly, you only rallying me up. For three years, they had me peeing out of a cup. Now they about to free me up. What you think I'm going to be? What? Rehabilitated, man, I still feel hatred. I'm young, black, and rich, so they want to strip me naked. But you never had me like Christina Aguilari. But catch me down the west side driving like Halle Berry or the FDR in the seat of my car. Screaming out the sunroof, death to y'all, you can't kill me. I live forever through these bars, I put them wolves on you. I put a price on your head, the whole hood will want you. Starting to look like bread, I send the boys at you. I ain't talking about fast, nigga, the body snatchers. Nigga, you heard what I said. I'll make them late for you to five in the morning. Put your smarts on the side of your garment. Nigga, stop fucking with me. R-I-P. This price trip, nigga, I'm, nigga, I'm wild. Nigga, I keep trash bags with me. Never know when you got a double nigga out. This is sir. This some sick sir. Roll man, right I here. put hands on you. I dig a hole in the desert, they build the sands on you. Lay out blueprint plans on you. We rap pack niggas, let Sam tap dance on you. Then I Sinatra shot you, goddamn you. The boy in the box like David Blaine Let the audience watch, it ain't a thing Y'all wish I was frontin' I George Bush the button Put the oil in your car, lift up your hood Nigga, run it, then lift up your whole hood Like you got oil under it The boy got the goods, y'all don't want nothing of it Like, catch the oil, you I catch the Troy You change your face, or the bullets change all that for you Y'all niggas is targets Y'all garages for bullets Please don't make me park it in your upper level Ballet a couple strays from the 38 special Nigga, God bless I'll make you I'll make for you to five in the morning Put your smarts on the side of your garment Nigga, stop fucking with me R-I-P Yeah, I'm threatening you Yeah, I'm threatening you Who you think you dealing with? They call me threats Nigga, I've been making threats since I've been in kindergarten Nigga, <laughs> ass about to see if you ain't hurt 
When the gun is tucked, untucked, nigga, you dies like nunchucks. Held by the jet L.I. I'm the one thus meaning no one must try. No two, no three, no four. Know why? Because one's four, five might blow your high. You ain't got to go to church. You get to know your God. It's a match made in heaven when I black play the seven. Put you on the nigga news, UPN and 11. Where you been? You ain't heard. Got the word that I'm, that I'm so sincere. I'm especially Joe Pesci with a friend. I will kill you. Commit suicide and kill you again. I'll make way for you to vibe in the morning. Put your smarts on the side of your garment. Stop fucking with me. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, peace. What up, motherfucker? I see three motherfucker. What? Nigga, I throw a Molotov cocktail through your mama's mama's house. Nigga, what's up? Where everybody live? I'm the kind of nigga take your teeth out your mouth, nigga, chew your food up and put the shit back in your mouth, nigga, and help you swallow. Nigga, I take a mop handle off, nigga, and sweep, nigga. Hold on, I'll be, nigga, what? All right. Let's get into this IWA Mid-South fucking drama. Um, now, I'm just going to go back to what I said last week and reiterate and add, uh, add to that as I go. Uh, do, at least do the best I can at it. All right. There is a tournament book for, I believe, November called King of... Hold on. Keep calling it King of Kings. I don't know if that's it. King of All Kings. And the initial pitch for this tournament was... Tournament? Was no filler. Super tournament. Fucking... this, This was supposed to be... The king of all kings, like the king of all king of death matches. This this is going to be the ultimate tournament, the fucking top shit. Like nothing else you've ever fucking seen. He used the word no filler. He said that the the tournament was going to be comprised of people who have won major death match tournaments and major death match tournaments only. He listed, um, I, I'm trying to think of all the names, but he started to list names, including bringing Matt Tremont back out of his deathmatch tournament retirement, because the previous year he had said he was done with tournaments. He wasn't done with deathmatches, he wasn't done with wrestling, but he was done with deathmatch tournaments. So big announcement, bringing Matt Tremont back into the fray of deathmatch tournaments for the sake of the ultimate deathmatch tournament which look man like by concept this fucking opened eyes this got people's heads turning going like oh shit like look uh, fucking king of the deathmatch is is that i mean that's king of the deathmatch tournaments now the the thing is is i will say i'm not going to be crazy here because IWA Mid-South brought fucking deathmatch tournaments to the States. It, it, it made that shit what it is. There was a point where Tournament of Death overtook King of the Deathmatch. I've said this before. I'm not saying any fucking thing that I'm saying tonight based off of any problem that I'm having with them. Because basically my problem with them is them having a problem with me. That's, that's, so, but we'll get back to that. But Tournament of Death overtook King of the Deathmatch as the best deathmatch tournament that was running yearly. Um, the things that Zandig did with that tournament, the big bumps that the Zandig added, the brand of deathmatches that Zandig brought to the table, 
brought all eyes to deathmatch tournaments on a different level than what Ian was doing. And I, I will venture to say that it also had Ian step his game up and bring his tournaments back up to, I mean, the, the level of, of competitive nature where, man, some years King of the Death would be the better tournament. Some years Tournament of Death would be the better tournament. But before there were eight fucking 12, 15 tournaments like there are now, there was King of the Death match. And then there was Tournament of Death. You know, like the, there there was uh, other things going on, but those were the, the staples. And King of the Death match was the originator, you know. And, and um, the two-night tournament was something no one ever really touched Still, still, no one's really doing two-night tournaments. Um, so, to say that you're building the ultimate tournament, I I have faith in Ian Rotten doing so. I, I know his ability to book. People could say all the fucking shit they want about Ian Rotten, but I have been an, an Ian Rotten supporter for a long fucking time. Um... My my fucking criticism on anything that's booked doesn't negate the fact that I fucking support something. If you book bullshit today, that doesn't mean that I fuck I I, I don't give a fuck about anything you've ever done. But you set the fucking bar for yourself. And I've said this time and time again with CZW. You set the fucking bar to the ceiling. Don't fucking lob one across the floor. Don't, you know, don't roll one across the floor and expect me not to to acknowledge the fact to hit him to the ceiling. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen with me. I'm not an ass kisser. I'm not a yes man. You're not going to get me on this motherfucker and just have me say nothing but nice things because we're cool. That's not my agenda. I'm here to talk honestly about how I see things. If I like it, you're going to hear how I like it. If I hate it, you're going to hear how I hate it and why I hate it. Not just because it sucks. Not just because, oh, no, it's fucking bullshit. I'm explaining to you what my problem is with things. But again, people don't want to hear negatives. People want to hear positives. People want to hear positives and only positives. If it's something negative, you must be a hater. Oh, you must be shitting on what I do. Okay. So anyway, this major tournament of all tournaments... No filler. Well, included in this tournament was Insane Lane, a guy who is morbidly obese. His last comeback was trash. He hasn't had a good match since 2008. And a month prior to them announcing him for this tournament, he stood on Facebook Live auctioning fucking wrestling figures off of his wall, looking very, very out of shape, saying how he's done with wrestling, he can't do it anymore. He, he he can't make commitments. He he doesn't have the money. He can't do this. He can't do that. He he was done. He was finished. He wanted to sell everything wrestling, so he didn't even think about wrestling again. So then they book Insane Lane, and I make a comment like, "Ah, oh, I thought there was no filler." They immediately got start getting back at me, and saying, "Oh no, I can't wait for for Lane to prove you wrong." Lane ain't proving a motherfucking thing wrong. I I will bet any fucking thing that Lane ain't blowing the roof off of a motherfucking thing. Nothing. And uh, you might want him to. You might be in his corner. You might be cheering for him. But 
you're cheering for the Browns to win the Super Bowl, motherfucker. You ain't you you're crazy as shit. Um So and then Misty even said some shit like, Oh, he just lost some weight, dude. I got fucking screenshots of the type of shit that he's doing right now. He didn't lose any motherfucking weight. I don't know what kind of weight you, you think he lost. I don't know if he weighed like a shit he took and you said, Oh, well, that was a good two pounds, so he just lost that. He didn't lose any fucking weight. He he's not headed in any good direction. Go go check in on his fucking Facebook, his fucking Instagram, all that shit. Like he's not headed in a good direction. So again, like this this it was never my agenda in 2018 to be spending any time talking about Insane Lane in any way, shape, or form. This isn't like some grudge I want to hold and I want to keep talking shit about the guy forever. But if you're building a super fucking tournament, the gods of deathmatch wrestling, and then you put this guy in, well, I got a question where he's at. And I'm telling you where he's at, and it's not good. Um, I'll be surprised if he makes this commitment, by the way, in November. He's missed a ton of shit. And this is a long ways away. A lot can go down, including him getting in shape. <laughs> well, Bowman, come on. Uh, on top of that, they added Carnage. Carnage is not Carnage is not a, a quality worker. He, he isn't. I don't give a fuck what you say. He's he's not a good worker. He's not. He's trash. Scotty Vortex has been mostly inactive. He he hasn't really wrestled in years. He's had a couple of matches here and there recently. But he walked the fuck away from wrestling years ago. So for him to be suddenly like a an all-star of all deathmatch wrestling, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That's a, that's that's a stretch. So then we come down to this situation where the tournament is to be voted upon. Um now if you've won a, a major deathmatch tournament, you'll be put in if you know if that's the person they want to book for that you'll be put in if you don't meet that qualification and you um um i was getting a notification reading some shit um if you don't meet that qualification there will be votes to put four wrestlers in um into the King of the Death matches, or the King of All Kings tournament. So, like, for instance, Marcus Crane hasn't won a major death match tournament, so he would be, you know, definitely one that you would want to put in because he is one of the absolute tops in death match wrestling. Absolute tops. But he hasn't won a tournament. Schlack, I mean, that, that guy has set the fucking, the, the indies on fire in the deathmatch realm. That guy is a fucking... He's a huge draw. When I'm a guy who could tell you that, like, I don't give a fuck about wrestling anymore, one of the fucking few guys that opens my fucking eyes and goes, ooh, what the fuck is he... What's he gonna do? When I see his fucking promos pop up, I can't wait to watch his fucking promos because that dude is money. I've had countless fucking wrestlers that I've talked to privately that aren't even deathmatch fans that go, that fucking guy is fucking, that, that guy is legit. Like, that guy is fucking money. So Schlack's another one that, like, yeah, although he hasn't won a major tournament, although maybe he hasn't been around all that that long, this, this, this is, dude, you could put his fucking name, his face as the biggest thing on your poster, and fans aren't gonna fucking argue. They're gonna fucking flock to the show. 
he he's a draw. He's an absolute draw. He's a larger than life character, which is a, something that is very very rare in these days in independent wrestling, especially. Um, so you know, and there's some other good names in there now. Lumped into this group is IWA champion and current King of the Deathmatch champion, Nick fucking Gage. Now, th- there is not a bigger name in, in current Deathmatch wrestling as Nick fucking Gage, and he's won pretty much all the major tournaments. Or at least the ones I would consider major. Now, okay, I- I'll-, I'll tell you the later response. But let's not get this fucked up at all. Here's the, uh, let me see if I can get dates. All right, July 5th. Um, six days ago, which was, I don't know, July 6th or something. All right, so. They posted this. Guys, so everyone could stop being so salty about Gage quote-unquote, not being in the tournament, he was the first person asked. We were told that he could not make the commitment this far in advance. Okay? And let me go to the message that Misty sent me, because it's, it's a further... It, it's it's the same, same kind of thing. Um... Let me see. We tried to book Gage for King of All Kings. He told us he can't make the commitment this far in advance. We can't help that. And uh, I said, I hear you, but that should have been made clear to the fans, thinking they have to vote him in. Clearly he'll win the vote if that's what the deal is, but then you'll have to tell them anyway if he can't make it. I don't know, it just looks silly based on the concept that was presented, just my opinion. She goes, well, he's not winning the vote. He's tied for eighth place. And then if he tells us he'll be in, he'll just be in. And I said, well, probably because most fans don't think he needs to be voted. And she's like, well, they would be correct, but it's not our fault. So then she makes a statement. And I said, I understand things happen booking-wise. I'm just saying how it looks to the fans. Either way, I'm sure you'll put on a great show. She says, I just never thought that people would think Ian wasn't smart enough to have already thought of that. I mean, he's been running for 22 years. Gage is a champ as well as the current King. All right. Now, now let me just go off of that. Here's the problem. Here's where the entire fucking problem lies. You're now willing. And then they go and say, Hey, Hey, we well, oh, settle down. Everyone. We tried to book him, and he wouldn't take the booking this far in advance. Okay? Well, why why would you put him in the fan voting section? When people just started clamoring for Nick Gage because Nick Gage's name wasn't mentioned on the fucking site as, as being a participant, why wouldn't you immediately respond with, Nick cannot be fan voted in. We tried to book him. However, he has said he can't take the booking this far in advance. As soon as we know Nick is a go, Nick is in. 
Just fucking cut, nip that in the bud. Instead of doing that, you put him on the list. Vote. Here it is. July 5th. Vote on this status, and the top four vote getters will be voted into King of All Kings. One name per vote. Any votes with multiple names will not be counted. We had three men tie for the top, for the eighth spot, so we extended the field to the top ten. Angry Dad John Rockhold, Oren Veet. I don't know if I'm saying that name right. Marcus Crane, Rob Marsh, Casanova Valentine, Schlack. Alex Cologne, Jeff Cannonball, Nick Gage, and Mance Warner. So now when you typed on the site, he is eligible for fan votes. Don't fucking tell me and try to pull your bullshit. I've been running all these years. How how would you think I was that stupid not to think to book Nick Gage? I'm not saying you're stupid and you're not booking him on purpose. I'm saying you put him, you fucking, you typed his name into the fan voting section as if that's his shot to get in. When you knew yourself, the reason why you didn't type him on the other side of things is because he was holding you up on the booking. Now, this is only a week prior to him saying, all right, I'll do it. He's in now. So why, why would you not avoid the whole thing? You're so smart. You've been booking for all these years. Look, I, I've never fucking denied the ability to book of Ian Rotten. I put him over as one of the top bookers in this fucking country in the history of the fucking independence. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the first fucking people to put Ian over while everyone else is fucking bashing him. But it insults the fans' intelligence when you lump him into the fucking fan voting thing. It says right there, you can vote for Nick Gage. And if he's one of the top four vote-getters, then he'll be in. That's insulting the fans' intelligence. Telling me that I have to vote Nick Gage, despite the fact that he's the fucking current king of the deathmatch, despite the fact that he's the current world champion, you're telling me I have to fucking vote him in right fucking here. So don't turn around and, and, and say that I'm calling Ian stupid for not thinking that he, that he should book fucking Nick Gage. You put that out there. I didn't put that shit out there. Two fucking three days later, when I said, hey, that's kind of stupid seeing as is a current thing, and I got a bunch of people liking and loving my fucking comment and, and chiming in like, yeah, hey, that is fucking stupid. Then all of a sudden it's like, hey, settle down, guys. We asked Nick. Well, you could have said that when motherfuckers started voting his name instead of typing, hey, here's one of the people eligible to get voted in if you want him in. What the fuck is that? That that's a dumbass move that insulted the intelligence of the fans. Again, this is gonna be a great fucking show. But when these are the people that are put up there and there's a huge question mark on what I just said. That's something you put out there. I didn't fucking make it up and go, I bet you he didn't even think about Nick Gage. Like I fucking who the fuck wouldn't think about Nick Gage? He's the most popular, most fucking deathmatch wrestler. In, uh, in in wrestling, I mean, it, what the fuck can I say? I, that, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it looked like, and that's what I responded to. Now, apparently, that was a fucking huge betrayal to Ian Rotten. That was somehow like, I'm shitting on everything he's doing. No, it, that, was, that was put out there really fucking badly. That, that was a complete misstep. Insulting the intelligence of the fans. And look, 
Gage is fucking in. So if you just would have handled it in a different way, I wouldn't have had a comment to make. But again, like, everybody's out to fucking get you, right, Ian? Despite the fact that I can't, I can't say enough fucking nice things about what you do. I can't fucking put you over enough. I can't defend you enough when people fucking bury you. I, you know, I, I, I was the fucking guy. Let's, let's not fucking forget that when that scumbag motherfucker, Jerry Wiseman, fucking baited you in and, and had you on the fucking line while he had countless people just fucking run in and beat the shit out of you verbally on his fucking podcast. I was the guy that fucking felt like that guy was an asshole. While everyone is still, people are still fucking hitting me up. Dude, did you ever hear that fucking thing with that fucking dude? And uh, just fucking OMG, David Harrell just hit me up a fucking couple of weeks ago. Like, dude, this is the craziest shit I ever heard. They're still fucking talking about that. And that's the only fucking show that asshole has ever done that's ever made a fucking dent in anybody's fucking listenership because Ian was the fucking pinata. And Ian did him a huge favor. He should have hung the fuck up way early. And I'm, I'm sure he would, he'd agree with that now. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, he, he hung in there because he, he wanted to just fucking take whatever they had, whatever the case was, and he fucking took it. Well, following that, he was definitely not going to ever do another podcast. They, he was done. But I had wanted to interview Ian legitimately. And, I mean, he didn't know me for shit. So, I he ended up actually asking Drake Younger who who um backed backed me up. He vouched for me to say, nah, Jake Jake that's a good dude. I proceeded to do a four hour interview with Ian, which was the reason why Jeremy, as Jeremy did tell Ian in a message, that that's that's what fucking made him even more so an Ian Rotten guy, based off of the fucking interview that I did with him. And I mean, maybe that's just one fan. I don't know. That's one guy that's for sure telling me the reason why he drove the fuck out to Indiana was based off the interview I did with Ian Rotten, gave him a better feeling about what Ian was doing, despite all the negative bullshit that had been put out over the fucking years. And look, I'm not looking for anybody to kiss my ass. I'm just looking for a little more fucking respect than the first time I say something you don't like about what you booked. Now I'm the fucking enemy. Now you delete me off Facebook and shit. We've talked on this fucking podcast for probably fucking 15 hours if you put it all together. And and just like that, oh, it's fucking, I'm deeply hurt. Get the fuck out of here. For for what? Because I don't don't like the way that you put that shit out there. I mean, how can you look back at that and not fucking say like, yeah, yeah, okay, that was, that did look like shit. We put Ian, we, we clearly put fucking Nick Gage in the fucking voting pool. Definitely put him in there. It's right there. I just read it. I've just fucking read it. You know? Um, so then, because, let me see. I want to pull up the actual message that he sent to Jeremy. So, you know, he he, he sent Jeremy a message because Jeremy said, like, look, man, like, you know, fucking he's an Ian Rotten guy. And, like, you know, I hate to get in between this, but, like, he's the reason why, like, I fucking really got into IWA the way I did and this and that. And uh, I always loved hearing you on the show and everything. 
So Ian responded with them by saying, if someone was shitting on you and what you do, would you keep them on your quote unquote friends list? Yes. I always thought Jay was a hundred percent an Ian Rotten guy. That's what hurts the most. Like you need to get off that bullshit where I suddenly betrayed you and stabbed you in the back because what I just elaborated on, what I just fucking said, I still don't see the level of disrespect. I see a mistake on your part that looks stupid as fuck. And, and then when I pointed it out, suddenly I'm, I'm the fucking enemy. That's fucking crazy. You understand that, like, you know, there, there's shit that you do, Ian, and, and you don't even fucking see a problem with it. Like, you were just not that long ago. You were bashing fucking Pondo's company. Talking about how fucking, you know, um, between you and Misty, we're saying different things like anyone who works for that uh, Death Becomes Her tournament's fucking low life and anyone who takes that booking is this and that. We're just taking shots at a shitload of girls who worked for you already and continue to work for you. And then uh, you were taking Sarah Logan shots at them and this and this. And then when people started trying to get Pondo in and asked, like, you know, is he blackballed? You're like, ah, I'm not against it. So... What makes you think you could take fucking crazy ass shots and now that's fucking dad's bashing someone that's burying someone, but they, yet you think he should be all right and just work for you. I mean, I, you know, again, that's between you and him. This isn't me trying to pile on to anything, but I'm just saying the difference between what I did and what you did are, are night and fucking day. And you don't see, seem to see a problem with going at people the way that you did. And for me, like I just, you know, just fucking spoke honestly about a product, a product that I care about because I, I fucking constantly promote this shit. I'm constantly trying to fucking put it over and say that, you know, this, this is what I like and this is what I didn't. And you know, it's fucking crazy. It's absolutely fucking crazy to, to see it that way. Now, the other side of things, because I'm just fucking sitting here minding my fucking business, uh, last week and I get a message. JC Rotten just said, fuck J cat on the mic. I'm like, what the fuck? What? Um, at the Guardians of Hardcore. I haven't heard it yet. You know, I haven't gotten the the uh, the VOD yet, and uh, I I don't know if it's you know gonna be cut off or whatever the case is. But apparently, he had a, a match with that Orin Verdite or whatever his name is. And I can guess by the context of of what I've heard. That that basically he had a fucking great match with this kid. And his way of putting this guy over was like, fuck the guy who said that that guy didn't belong. And again, we are talking about what is supposed to be a super tournament. This isn't a place where stars are made. Do you understand that King of the Death match wasn't even supposed to be a place where a new guy showed up? Not without proving himself in Prince of the Death match. So, like, let, let's just say if this guy didn't prove himself in King of the Death Match, why would he belong in King of All Kings Death Match? Again, I'm going off the concept that you posted. This guy could be the fucking man. This guy could wind up being the best death match wrestler for the next five years. I don't think his introduction should be in a super tournament that you're booking to be better than anything fucking ever. But again, if he's voted in by fans by unanimous decision, then I mean, what can I say? Fucking balls in his court at that point to fucking perform. Um, amongst the kings of all kings. Oh, and Insane Lane and uh, Carnage 
and shit like this. I mean, Scotty was botching fucking. He had a move. He had a, he had a um, match with Lucky Thirteen where they had a bunch of cool ass spots. Uh, I forget which tournament of death this was. Might have been thirteen. I, I'm not sure. But um, they had a bunch of cool ass spots. They blew almost fucking every spot. The fucking shit was sloppy as fuck. But this is the guy that you're bringing back to put in because this is the king of all kings. So, I mean, it is what it is. It, it, it's going to be what it's going to be. Like like all the King of the Death matches, it's going to be a great show. But to book no filler, to book this is this is going to be better than anything you've ever seen, eh, I, don't, I don't know that. I, I don't think that's the case. I think it's going to be on par with another King of the Death match, which is nothing to fucking sneeze at. But you can't set the bar so high and then get mad at people for expecting the bar to be set as, as high as you set it. You set the fucking bar that high. The expectations should be high. For a guy like Ian Rotten to say it's something you've never seen before, holy shit, the bar should be set high. Because he's been running for 22 years, as you like to point out. That's why our fucking expectations should be through the fucking roof. But hey, man, if the kid wants to, hey, fuck J-Cat, this and that. That... Thanks for the listen, man. And again, like, I I had him on the show. I I thought it was extremely interesting to talk to the son of Ian Rotten, who's, you know, following in Ian's footsteps into the wrestling business, the type of people he's been in and around. Again, I don't see people out there clamoring for J.C. Rotten interviews. It was something that I was very excited to do. But again, it only takes one difference in opinion for it to be fuck J-Cat. Because people can't handle fucking criticism that doesn't cater to them. A lot of these little podcasts out there, they just suck cock. All fucking day, they get on a podcast. This is a great match. This is a great show. This is the greatest booker ever. Everything he does is just great. Everything's great, man. It's just so great. That was a great match, and the other match was greater than the other great match, and this fucking great match. If that's what fucking makes you feel good, then you keep listening to these fucking podcasts with these dorks that don't even know how to fucking complete a sentence and just fucking spin plates and fucking walk circles and walk circles and there's nothing original about their show from fucking front to back. If you want to hear a fucking honest fucking dude who tells you what they like and you what they don't like, that's where the fuck my show's been at for eight fucking years. And that's why I, 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 I might get a lot more hate based off of my blunt nature but there's a lot of other people who are genuine that respect what the fuck I do. And, and I value that far, far more than just gaining the approval of wrestlers because I said something nice over and over. That's not where I'm at. But again, if I was such a jerk off and if I just did nothing but shit on everything and, and bashed product, then why the fuck have I had the, the consistent level of guests that I've had over the years? And what's funny is, is I I haven't changed my tone whatsoever. Ian's come on time and time again. The problem probably is, is that he didn't listen to any of my other shows where I might have said something at least similar. Because I never, I, I was never 100% positive about any fucking product. IWA, CZW, Jersey All Pro, Ring of Honor, PWG, anything. WWE, which I didn't talk a shitload about, but, you know, I've never been 100% positive on anything. In my interviews, I don't, you know, I don't try to just like fucking 
dig shit out and you know and be ruthless or or or, or you know go at people's shit. You know, it's just it, it's crazy how motherfuckers turn on a dime and then try to blame you, to, you know, and play the victim. Because I still respect the fuck out of what Ian does. And um, I, I still would like to see that fucking tournament when it comes out. Um, and I just, I don't understand how things take such a hard fucking left. As far as people deciding that, that you suddenly just turned the fucking corner and buried a dude. I ain't burying fucking no Ian Rotten on this fucking show. And what's crazy is, like, if anyone knows what the fuck being buried is, it should be Ian Rotten. And somehow I I, I joined that fucking group. It's crazy. It's fucking absolutely crazy. So, is what it is, you know what I mean? But uh, that that's my opinion on the whole fucking thing. So, let let that be what it be. Go grab the fucking mic. Fuck J-Cat, this and that. I I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Um, what else do I got? Oh yeah, I want to talk about the Jurassic Park movie. Let me see. I got anything else? I watched the Tremont speech, the uh, leaving CCW speech. What I could say about that is I don't... I'm still unsure on whether we're talking uh, work or shoot. It sounded more like a shoot, but again, it's just very un-Matt Tremont-like to, you know, say that, hey, I'm being used wrong or I'm getting buried or this and that. Um, The one thing that I can say, though, is let's say it's 100% a shoot. You know, I'd I'd like to just take it as face value at, at this point. Let's say it's a hundred percent shoot. Within that hundred percent shoot, every time he said he was leaving CZW, he used the words "for now." He could say "last time ever," "last time ever," but he couldn't go two sentences without saying the words "for now." I would be extremely surprised if Matt Tremont is not on another CZW show by this time next year. I'd be willing to bet that he's going to be on another CZW show by this time next year. He's doing tremendous things with fucking H2O. Um, he he got the, that building over there, the Kevin Hogan Memorial Hall, previous uh, uh, old-time wrestling and uh, on-point wrestling building over there. Hey, he's locked that shit down. He, he's in there busting his fucking ass and making that shit his and really putting a lot of work into it. Um, he's doing different things. I just saw he put put together like a fucking uh, viewing party for the WWE uh, pay-per-view, which I'm not sure if that's Sunday or not. I just saw it like before. Let me see if I could pull it up again because I might as well get to do it a plug. Because I, I, I really like that type of shit. Not me like now, like I'm going to do it because I don't watch wrestling, but people who like wrestling... Extreme Rules, yeah, Sunday, July 15th, so yep, that is this coming Sunday, they're doing a viewing party, 20 bucks, you get in, they got food and drink included, 
Um, and you go in there and you, you get some of the fucking wrestlers, Matt, some of the fucking wrestlers all gathered around in this fucking building with a big screen watching the fucking pay-per-view. I think that's dope as fuck. Having people to watch the fucking show with like that, like at that, at that volume, I think is dope as hell. Real fucking cool. Um, I, I like those type of things. They did some shit like that at GCW where they did like an afternoon show. I think that was maybe the Wisconsin one. They did like an afternoon show and it was in a bar. And then like later that night, it was like, yeah, we're all just going to hang around after the show and watch the fucking pay-per-view and you can be part of that. Drink specials. Blah, blah, blah. That's a great fucking idea. I think that's, that's super cool. If you're really into the, the whole wrestling atmosphere and hanging around and, and, and that the whole hangout scene, that's, that's a fucking, that's a good time. You know? Uh, so yeah, I mean, big shout out to Matt and what he's doing over there. I do think he's trying to really focus on what he's doing there above anything. I think if, if there's any main reason why he is legitimately leaving CZW, I think it's more so that. I think it's more so that his, his focus is there, and it should be. Why shouldn't Matt Tremont make himself so much more of an attraction within his own product? Matt Tremont's a draw. If he can pull himself away from other companies, I'm not saying that's what he's doing. I'm saying that's what he should do. If he can pull himself away from every fucking where and only have big blockbuster Matt Tremont matches on his own product, fuck, man, you're making yourself money. I think you're making yourself more money with that type of fucking, um, with that type of uh, idea, with that type of push on your own career than you would be just off of booking fees, you know? You make appearances, you do this and that, but the place to see big name fucking Matt Tremont matches is H2O. Fuck, man. The fans are there because you're running the shit to begin with. So for you to be putting on the biggest matches currently right there at your house, that's that's the fucking move, man. So uh, big shout out to the dude. He's one of the nicest people you ever meet in fucking wrestling. And uh, yeah, I wish him nothing but success. Um, Yo, why do they sell donuts? All right. The Entenmann's Donuts. They have the three packs, right? And you got powder sugar, cinnamon, and then then the fucking lazy donut. There's nothing on it. Why the fuck does that exist? On one side of things, you got to look like, all right, if you're into fucking powder donuts and you're into the fucking cinnamon powder fucking donut, that shit is not your favorite fucking donut. That shit without anything on it is not your favorite fucking donut. And if you're really into those fucking donuts, then the powder shit is way too much for you. There's there's no in-between. There's there's no medium ground. You can't be, like, a really big fan of fucking powdered donuts and be like, these are also just as good. There's no way. It's night and fucking day. It doesn't make any fucking sense to me. It pisses me off every time. It's like I'm getting beat for one-third of my Entenmann's box of fucking donuts every time. It's like my kids will eat them because they are fucking donuts. You know what I mean? They are they are some form of donuts. But if they had the option of all three types, there's not a chance they're reaching for that plain ass donut. I don't really understand that. I just don't understand it. I, I think it's a it's a it's a personal attack on my box of Entenmann's donuts, and uh, I want it stopped. I want it to uh, stop. Yeah. Um. 
Let me see what else I got. I um So yeah, um Alright, I think I have another track in here. So I'm just gonna go into this. Now what I have to say here is I am going to talk about the new Jurassic World movie. This will have nothing but spoilers. I am going to talk about every single thing that I think of in this movie. From front to back, you will know the fucking twists, the turns, the end. You will know everything. If you do not want to hear spoilers on this movie, thank you for listening to the podcast. Turn it off now. And, you know what I mean? Check back on it after you watched it. My intention is not to spoil the movie here. My intention is, intention is to talk about the movie and have people who have watched the movie to listen to what I'm saying. So I, I am warning you with peace and love, peace and love. Uh, you um, have to turn the podcast off now if you do not want to hear spoilers of the Jurassic World movie. All right? Fair enough. I feel like it's fair enough. I didn't want to put it in the middle. I didn't want to put it in the beginning. I wanted to make it where if I'm going to talk about this movie, I'm going to talk about this movie, and you have the opportunity to walk away from the podcast now if you do want to see it and you do not want some jerk-off on a podcast telling you what happens. So here we go. You ready? All right. So Jurassic, uh, what the fuck is this movie even called? Fallen, Fallen World, I think. So... The gimmick of this movie is there the the island that they made Jurassic World on has an active volcano that is about to blow up and kill every dinosaur on the island. There were people trying to come together to save the dinosaurs and bring them to this uh this um sanctuary island which would leave them safe and untouched and not dead. So that was the plan. They were trying to get it okay through the government. The government pretty much shot it down. This other guy gets involved with it saying, look, I want to save these dinosaurs. I don't want what's happening to happen. Obviously, the legal side of things isn't working. So what we're going to do isn't, isn't really legal, but you know, we need your help. Talking to the people who were uh, the woman who was previously involved with the park, as well as, uh, you know, the... Um, well, she she ended up getting the the Chris Pratt guy, the, the you know the Raptor trainer guy, the, on board. So he he gets them on board to go try to save these dinosaurs from the island. So they get there, and now let, let me let me preface this, and, and I'll end it with the same thing. I enjoyed this movie a lot. I thought this was very good. I thought this was an excellent addition to the Jurassic Park series. I think it set up good things for the future. And I hope they execute them well. Now, again, I know that if, if Ian Rotten wrote this movie, he would say I'm shitting on everything he does. That's, that's, that's not my intention. I criticize things, and I'll point out what I, what I liked and I didn't like. Um, so now, it's just like... It's very cliche because you go to rescue these dinosaurs off the island that's about to explode from the fucking volcano. And it's like they get there and like 
get into their little trouble and here and there, and they're about to leave the island and pack the fuck up and leave, and, like, the fucking island is blowing up, like, as they're fucking leaving. Like, like there wasn't seconds more left until the island. So I don't know how they made it, like, just on time before that, like, this was, like, a long process that was going through, like, court hearings and shit. So, like, they, they happened to head down there, like, within the very half hour <laughs> that the fucking island was going to become, like, extinct. So, like, they're on the boat with, like, explosions popping off behind them, or they're, like, diving on this shit to get away from it. And then they're on the boat, and they're fucking leaving. And, like, they they really poured on some unnecessary sadness in some parts of this movie, and this was one of them, man. Like, they fucking, they had a brontosaurus, like, on the fucking dock. Like, as they're pulling away, just, like, dying. Like, they just, you have to watch this dying brontosaurus as the island blows up around him. And this motherfucker pretty much begs, like, come on, guys. Like, come back. Like, I'm fucking, like, I don't want to fucking, I don't want to be left here. Like, it's going to fucking, oh, my God, it burns. Like, they, they just killed this fucking brontosaurus on the fucking dock with people just watching him fucking die and shit as the flames engulfed this mother. This shit is fucking dark, man. That shit was unnecessary. So, uh, now, they they went to unnecessary lengths to villainize the, the guy who was buying the dinosaurs. The, the guy that was bringing the dinosaurs off the island, he tricked these motherfuckers to help him and this and that. Well, it turns out that he's just trying to fucking sell these dinosaurs off to, to people for research, for whatever the fuck they want them for. For millions of dollars also to tycoons from all over the place are just going to come and just they're just going to auction these fucking dinosaurs off to, to whatever the fuck. So, obviously, that in itself, like, he's not caring about their lives. He's not trying to get them off to the sanctuary or anything else. He's just doing this shit for financial gain. doesn't give a fuck about that. That in itself, I think, is, is enough villain, villainization. Is that a word? Um, but they just went to, like, unnecessary lengths to villainize this guy. He, um... There was an old man who, ah, look, the specifics of it, he was like, uh, he was like partners or friends or brothers. He he was related to Hammond somehow, right? Hammond's gone. He's dead in real life. So, um, they had him there and had his little girl in the house and, uh, she was supposed to be like the granddaughter and he, he was like the dude that was like speaking fondly about how she was and. And what John Hammond's uh, vision was and all of this shit, right? So he's just kind of, like, fucking there. And, like, doesn't really get that this other dude's doing twisted shit. He thinks, like, it's all on the up and up. Other dude's doing twisted shit. But, like, you know, it was never really laid out where this dude could do a fucking thing about it. Even if he did, like, fully find out. Because the little girl tried to tell him and shit. And she's like, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Shit. But... There was never, like, any fucking hint that, like, yeah, this dude could shut shit down. Like, he was just an old man at that point, like, in the fucking bed, like, not doing good. So, I don't really know, like, why, like, they had to go that route. Other than just, you know, they they needed tools to villainize this guy further. So, like, he's in the bed, and, like, they're finding... He finally finds out about the shit, and he's like, why would you do that? And he's like, yeah, well... Hey, he orders him like, yo, call, grab that phone over there and call the police on yourself. Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, let me get right on that. 
He grabs a pillow and smothers the fucking old guy and kills him. Like, so, but what was the fucking point of that? Like, what would, the old guy, like, he wasn't going to stop a motherfucking thing. He wanted the fucking, the dude to call the police on himself. That was his big power move. Just be like, no, I ain't calling a motherfucking body. Walk out of the room like, dude, he wasn't even mobile. He could have took the fucking cordless phone out of the room with him, and that would be the end of the, his fucking offensive move. What kind of shit is that? You know what I mean? So he just killed the fucking guy. And then at some point it comes out that the, the granddaughter, she's a clone. For no reason. She's just, yeah, she she was created. Like, the dinosaurs were created. Yeah, they created her too because he was, he, uh, the guy was upset about uh, losing his daughter, so he created another one. And and it goes nowhere, has no rhyme or reason. It's just like, here's something to know, you know? Here's something to fill space. Like, oh, okay, and now what? Like, it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. There was no real reason for it. So that was just like another, like, that was like one of those moments, like, it, like in Gremlins, where, like, they're fucking, you know, you got all the Gremlin shit going on. Then suddenly, like, Phoebe Cates is on some shit where, like, you know, I hate Christmas because my father, he was delivering the fucking presents to the family, and he didn't come back, and, uh, then we smelled something, thought there were some squirrels in the fucking chimney, come to find out, that was daddy, like, what, whoa, wait, hey, whoa, what, what, what the fuck does that gotta do with this movie, <laughs> it was just like a real awkward moment for no fucking reason, you're just like, oh, all right, well, I mean, I hope you pull through, we got some gremlins out this motherfucker, if you don't, if you're going to be right to continue, because we got some monsters and shit that are fucking this town up. So if we want to just pull through that, that, uh, that bad memory you was just having, because there's some old bad memories going on right now. The, the old woman just got shot out her motherfucking window, the power chair. Um, she wasn't nice, but you know, I mean, she might have some fucking grandkids. Don't get $20 at Christmas anytime anymore in the card. Uh, I mean, all right, we're just going to ride with that information. So, so that's kind of like the vibe I got. And it wasn't quite as twisted as that, but like, you know, kind of like, wow, like, oh yeah, they just created a kid. They miss, they missed the daughter. So they created a kid, you know, Hey, so there's that. And it was just left like awkward and sorry, moving on. Now, here's the thing. They created another motherfucking dinosaur. It comes to this auctioning process, and they're just, like, wheeling these fucking cages, these giant fucking cages in on, like, a railroad track. And they're all these rich motherfuckers are just sitting there bidding, like, like it's normal shit to bid on fucking dinosaurs. Like, they, like this is all just another dinosaur auction. As far as I know, like, by the story, like, none of this shit ever existed before. Like, Jurassic World ha- happened, you know, the Jurassic Park happened back in the day, but there wasn't, like dinosaur trade going on not as far as i fucking knew not as long as the story was told but these motherfuckers are all sitting there with these big ass dinosaurs being wheeled in there they're trusting the cages and shit and just going like oh very nice yeah oh 10 million <laughs> like what the fuck are you gonna do with that shit's <laughs> crazy as hell um and then like they keep creating these fucking super dinosaurs because like the ones they keep creating aren't bad enough i guess I, they just I, I guess there's uh there's probably merch in selling new dinosaurs and uh just there's an attractiveness to that but like 
I never saw anything fucking lame about that fucking Indominus Rex. You just, oh, it's another one of those motherfuckers. Like, you know, that was some pretty serious shit. The raptors and the, it's some real shit. Raptors were supposedly created by Jurassic Park to begin with. Like, that, that wasn't a real dinosaur. The Velociraptor was a fabricated dinosaur by uh, Spielberg or whoever the fuck came up with this shit. Michael Crichton wrote the book. Uh, you know. So anyway, they created this new motherfucker. And he's on some next shit where, like, you, you there's, like, a gun. And you point a laser beam at a target. And when you press that shit, this motherfucker is, like, hell-bent for re-election. Fucking goes in there. And, and, and he's going to kill his fucking target. They're, they're trying to make this motherfucker for military use. Where they're just going to unleash this fucking dinosaur. Point that fucking laser at the enemy. And he's just going to shred motherfuckers, right? So this guy's a super fucking dinosaur. unfucking stoppable Why the fuck do they keep creating better dinosaurs that still can't catch a kid in the same fucking room? Like, you ain't... If my kids are in the kitchen... And they decide they're getting the fuck out of there without me getting them. I don't think that's happening. I'm going to put my money on. I'm going to get those kids before they get to their fucking room trying to run away from me on some dumb shit. Like, they're not listening. I tell them, come here. And they go run away. You think I can't catch them? I'm not a super dinosaur. I'm pretty sure if I was a super fucking genetically modified dinosaur, I'd catch them faster. These dinosaurs catch them not at all. You know, I feel like they should eat a lot of kids in the movie just for one to get away. Like, it's just, as soon as the kids start fucking running, they're, they're fucking getting away. This shit is crazy as hell. And the other thing is, is blue, right? Blue, blues. Now, I, I'm kind of torn on this because I don't like the naming of the dinosaurs like they're fucking pets. And, and it's just like, oh, that's my dude there. Yeah, that's blue. It's a motherfucking dinosaur, bro. I mean... I get it because, like, if, you know, you have a zoo, you work in a zoo, stuff like that. The, the, the animals, you're, you're going to get used to them. They're going to have names. There's going to be, like, you know, personalities. And there's going to be some bond with their trainers and stuff like that. So so I let a lot of that slide, and, yeah, you raised it and this and that. But it becomes wild. Like, he's just, like, a good guy dinosaur. For the most part, like, he don't eat nobody and shit. Like, he eats just the bad motherfuckers. He somehow knows that, like, that one's not good. But, like, when, when uh, Chris Pratt's standing there with his fucking hand in the air, like, hey, Blue, don't eat me. And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember you and shit. Uh, why why is it cool with everybody he's with? She'd be like, hey, man, you're my guy, but I'm going to go ahead and eat this fucking kid over here because I don't know that fucking kid. Like, when when you were raising me, that kid wasn't even born yet, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and eat this fucking kid. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll catch up on lost times after I'm finished eating this fucking kid. You know, and it's not just kids. Like I'm not like really just dying for kids to die in a movie, but I figured that's an easy target. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like baby animals die in the wild if like, you know, a predator comes through like before the adults do. So I'm saying like, we're talking about a mega fucking predator, and you know, this motherfucker standing around like, oh, oh, you know him? Oh shit, cool, blue. What's going on, bro? Like, that's my that's my guy right there. So um, that's that's a little fucking weird. Um. But yeah, like, a fucking kid, like, 5 to 20 feet away, and adults, like, that, and as long as they were cast as one of the main characters, they they just gotta run. They just gotta run, and he's gonna, like, his nails are gonna kind of slide on the the, the tile floor a little bit. He's not gonna catch, like, the traction he needs. His first jump ain't gonna be so legit. But, like, 
he's supposed to be a super killing machine, like better than any dinosaur you ever met before. But eh, it's not going to catch that guy. Um, and then, like, this dinosaur is activated by the laser gun, like I told you, and then turned unstoppable. So now the woman hero, she points the motherfucker. They're on top of this, like, glass roof. She points the fucking kill mode laser at Chris Pratt dude's chest with full confidence in his dinosaur dodging ability that when she hits that fucking button, there's not a chance that this super dinosaur is going to fucking tear this dude apart, which is what he was fucking made to do because Chris Pratt is so fucking nasty at dinosaur dodging that she, who who's like an item with him, is like, yo, he got this. Like, his dinosaur dodging ability is crazy. I can send a dinosaur at his face, and psh, dinosaur doesn't stand a chance. That's the that's the fucking leap of faith that this bitch took. And and fucking sure enough, bam, through the glass, and there happened to be some sharp shit down the bottom that he impaled himself on, and uh, okay. That's, that's, that's a little much. Um, now, the dinosaurs are down there all locked in these fucking cages, and there's, like, gas filling the fucking thing, and it was like, yo, dinosaurs are either gonna die right here, or we're gonna release them into the fucking wild. They were about to fucking hit the button. They're like, yo, nah, I, we gotta let them die for the better of the world. We, you know, we, this is sad, and they're, like, lowering their heads, like, fuck, this gotta happen. They hear the fucking doors opening and shit. The little girl hit the door. Was like, I can't let them die, man. They're here. They're they're alive and shit. So dinosaurs just fucking went out into the world, and that's it. That's the end. So the future of the dinosaurs, the Jurassic Park movies, are they are now loose in the United States of America, and I am fucking excited for what they're gonna do next. I really hope they draw this out where. They focus on, like, three dinosaurs at a time or something, wreaking havoc in random places, and really, you know, make make a bad motherfucker out of each one of these movies, and, uh, you know, draw it out where, you know, they're, they're wreaking fucking havoc, and you really don't get the full grasp of all the loose dinosaurs in the very next movie. You get some of it. You get some of the, the battle that's going on, but they're starting to make their way to other countries and across water and across borders and really starting to spread the world and they find a way to breed and shit like this. That's what we fucking need because now we're going into the the planet of the apes side of things. Dinosaurs versus humans type shit. So I think it's pretty fucking exciting. I, I think this was an excellent addition. Like I said, a lot of the shit I mentioned is kind of fucking corny and cliche and all that, but this is... um. This was a good addition to the Jurassic Park series. Um, very, very good, I think. I, I would definitely recommend watching this shit. And, uh, yeah, so so that's that. That's Jurassic uh, World Fallen Kingdom, I believe it was called. If it wasn't, then, you know, whatever the newest one is, that's, that's what it was. Um, I was going to, uh, I had Pondo had hit me up. And uh, he was hitting everybody up, trying to be on every fucking podcast. Um, because Pondo has a book, and, um, hold on, um, ah, shit, so, um, he, he has a book, 
it's out right now. Um, you can actually go on Amazon. Let me just look it up real quick for you. Um, yes, you can just put in the word Pondo in your Amazon search, and Memoirs of a Madman will come up. 1995. Get it right on Amazon Prime. You'll have it in two fucking days. Get that. You know, Madman Pondo's stories are fucking crazy. Um, you can catch them on my boy Jeremy's show. I got your fucking five stars. Uh, he does about a half hour on there. Talks a little bit about the book. Talks a little about other things. And, uh, yeah. I, I didn't want to be one of 15 shows that had Pondo on. I, I didn't want to have him on and do a disservice to him or the listeners or anything else. If you go back in the archives, you can listen to the, the interview I did with Pondo. I was pretty happy with that. I feel like we touched a lot of things. Um, I, I don't want to not promote his book by any stretch of the imagination. The guy hit me up, and um, I basically like to give people the 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 forum – Anytime that they ask, for sure, because, you know, hey, man, they they did me the fucking service of coming on here when I wanted to talk to them. So, uh, yeah, I was going to have Pondo on based on the fact that he wanted to come on and promote his thing. But I figured I might as well just give him the plug and encourage everybody to go out there and, and get his book, you know, because the dude has tremendous fucking crazy, crazy stories. And, um, yeah, he's one of the the wilder characters in professional wrestling, um, known worldwide. And uh, go out there, cop his book, Memoirs of a Madman. Uh, Like I said, you can catch it on Amazon. So uh, hopefully that does him some service. Hopefully someone goes and cops the book based on my recommendation. And, uh, you know, shout out to Pondo. So, um yeah, I think that's about all I got. I got the Super Spartan race on fucking Saturday and Tough Mudder the following week. I'm going to try to patch together enough things to talk about next week. Continue to do shows on a regular basis if I can. Um, I very, very much uh, appreciate anybody who chimes in with uh, questions, topics, all of that type of thing. Um, someone asked me, let me see. I, I think someone asked me to talk about Kid Osborne. Kid Osborne, uh, he, he's doing his thing on this uh on the Facebook calling people out and all that. I, I really like the, the, um, avenue of really going in on Facebook and going at your opponents and, and, uh, you know, drop these fucking, drop these fucking disc tapes. Yeah. You know I mean, drop this fucking, uh, you know, beef records all the way to the fucking, the event, make motherfuckers think, create division, make people hate you that are fans of the other guy. On both sides. On both sides, they should be doing this. And, uh, you know, fuck, man. That's that's what sells shit. If you could su- suspend disbelief and you can make a motherfucker believe that, man, he really doesn't like that fucking guy. He doesn't like his fucking fans. He doesn't like that. You're going to show up at that show and be like, yo, I can't wait for fucking Kit to die out this motherfucker. And, you know, I, I think Kit Osborne has some talent. He's been around a while. Hasn't really found his niche because he's been, you know, just fucking wallowing around in his dojo wars and shit like this. And, uh, you know, again, if he could start getting this fucking heat, he can go out there and, you know, just fucking perform and 
and start opening fucking eyes to to the ability he has, then then fucking good on him. So that that's my opinion on uh, what Kid Osborne is doing right now. Um, I don't think I had too many fucking questions. I know I asked for questions. I really didn't get anything. People just liked the fact that I had a question. <laughs> like, yeah, give me topics. Like, <laughs> all right. Uh, let me see what I had. Anything else on there? Yeah, I think that's it. So, uh, definitely, like I said, check out my boy Jeremy. I got you five stars. And uh, check out uh, Hot Tag Podcast, Shaheen, Boxman, do they thing over there. Um, Oh, he's probably not going to listen to this because for whatever reason, he would quote me every fucking week on the uh, Shaheen shows that I did. But uh, I had some kind of beef with Blog Talk Radio or whatever. But I saw on Twitter, um, and I really don't fuck with Twitter, but I saw on Twitter that the dude Bobby Anthem is going through some major shit right now. He uh, has some problem with his fucking eye where his left eye, he's got pain in his left eye to the the effect of like 18 years he's had this pain. And the doctor is telling him to fucking remove the eye sooner than later because it's going to become cancerous. If that wasn't bad enough, he has a condition in his right eye that is going to absolutely cause him to be blind. They're recommending a procedure that can either completely take his sight away, immediately black him out, or prolong the condition that's still going to make him blind, but it can slow down the process so he maintains sight for a little bit longer. So... Again, I don't think he's going to listen to this, but this dude has always been super fucking nice, retweeting and quoting all my crazy-ass lines off the show, off the other show. I wish you would listen to this one, because I really think he'd enjoy it. But uh, big shout-out to Bobby Anthem. Duke could fucking rap, too. He's got a dope-ass voice. Uh, big shout-out to Bobby Anthem, and uh, I hope everything goes well. I'm not really a prayers guy, but... Um, I wish you all the positive things in the world, and uh, I really hope things fucking take some kind of miraculous turn for you and some shit gets better. So, uh, big shout-out to that dude. Again, uh, check out all my homies doing their fucking podcast out there, and uh, I'll talk to you motherfuckers later. Peace. Talk to y'all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's raining again. Tired as rain. Makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good? 
Mike Tease tell me tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people, and I'm like, well, I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth, even when I lie. The Juza Jet Radio. Jesus! A sacred night to the bad guy. I'm going to tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no food. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.